0: You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church sermon podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today we're very excited to have a special guest preaching for us for our revival services. Now let's prepare our hearts as our special guest brings forth God's truths from His Word today.
1: The book of James, chapter one. Let's uh, go right to the Word and ask the Lord to help us as we uh, take up where we left off in Sunday school. I'm going to take about 30 minutes here as well. Unless that's too much. Is 30 okay? James chapter 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren... Count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low. Because, as the flower of the grass shall he shall pass away; for the sun is no sooner risen with the burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereon falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth, so also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived it bringeth forth sin and sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. Do not err my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creature. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore lay aside all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty... And continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world." That's the entire first chapter of James and we're only going to just try to zero in on one verse. But I wanted to read all of that to kind of get that in your thinking. Let's pray. Father, we stand again where we dare not stand alone and we ask, Father, today for you, Lord, to be the preeminent one. We ask, Father, that the word of God today, just now, here in this place, on these hearts, will be the very instrument, Lord, to do divine work in our hearts and lives. Lord, we, we need some things taken out and some things put in. We need, Lord, our spiritual viewpoint established. We need our spiritual compass set. And Father, I am the least able to give anyone else instruction unless it come by and through your Holy Spirit. We pray, Father, today that you will look upon us in grace and mercy as you always do. You've said, Lord, that your strength is made perfect in weakness. and We rest on that promise just now, trusting, Lord, that you will do what only can be done through your power, in the hearts and lives of these people for your glory and our good we ask in the high and lofty and holy name of the lord jesus amen <clears throat> in the sunday school hour i gave you warren wearsby's outline of four words that he just pulled out of the text and and i loved what he said and and so i'm going back to that and and uh, Really, he just pulled these four words out and then he added some things there that that, uh, blesses me. I trust it, will you? The first word is in verse two. It's the word count. Second word is in verse three. It's the word no. Third word is in verse four and it's the word let. And that's also in nine through 11. And then the last one is the word ask in five through eight. Count a joyful attitude. Know an understanding mind. Let speaks of a surrendered will. Ask speaks of a heart that wants to believe. Now, let's let's get really sober-minded and honest again. Do you want to be closer to God than you are? Now, all of us are as close as we want to be. We're as close as we want to be. And with that being said, there is a desire within every believer's heart to live closer. The problem is I'm in this stuff. I'm still in this flesh. And uh, it's the greatest hindrance that I know of, Brother Case. The The greatest hindrance. The Bible even says that the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And we all got this thing that is put into us by our creator, this this survival mode. We all want to live as long as we can live. If we didn't, we'd probably all commit suicide. You say, well, what are you talking about? We sing about heaven, and I talked about it a little bit, very briefly in Sunday school, and what a wonderful place it's going to be. And it's going to be. But I'm not in any hurry to go. Amen. Now, that, that may sound like you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. But you, you say, well, I, I'm ready to go to heaven just any day. Well, do you go to the doctor when you get sick? Why do you go to the doctor? If you want to go to heaven, don't go. Yeah. And you will go. You see, So we got this self-preservation thing going on, and there's nothing wrong with that. God's put that in us, and it's a healthy thing. But when we come to a text like this, and maybe I'm just preaching to me, but I doubt it. I have an idea that we all need something out of this text. When I come upon one of these passages, and I know that I have stumbled over and over and over and over, right here. When the trial comes, when the pressure's on, as I said earlier, it's not my first inclination to say, joy, joy, happy, happy. I love where I'm at. Usually, my first inclination is to say, Lord, where are you? What are you doing? What have I done, Lord? You know, we get, this, we get this complex going on. Well, Lord, I must have done something. I've, I've messed up. And hey, we all have. You say, how do you know? You got up this morning, didn't you? And you've made it to this point on the clock today. We all mess up in thought, word, or deed. We all do it. Now, the Lord still loves us. He's still compassionate toward us. His mercies are new every morning. He is long-suffering toward us. And so we come to this and we count what God is doing and who God is. We put that into the equation of what's going on in our lives. Now, let me quickly back up, and and I'm not going to try to re-preach that. I want to move to the second word. But what humanism and the world does is to take God out of the equation completely. They they want him out. I mentioned it just in passing, but let me say this about it. People who are professing atheists, that's one thing. But then there are those who are the practical atheists. There are those who say I don't believe in God, but then there are those who live as if they don't believe in God. So that's, that's a, pract- a practical atheist. You're, you're living your life practically as if there's no God. But, but humanism wants to take God out of the equation. Right. And when they do that, they, they want us to kick our mind completely out of gear and believe that, that there was nothing and then there was something you say what's the sun? well in their opinion it's the big bang and again the question is what was there to go bang what was there there to blow up what was there before there was something to collide now even the most brilliant scientists have to admit they don't have an answer for that so We, as believers, cannot afford to take God out of the equation. The world's already tried to do that. But when we do it, it's doubly dangerous. Because we are the ones who say we believe in God, and we believe in His Word, and we believe in His authority, and we believe in the creation, and all of that. And yet, we do pretty well with that until we hit a speed bump. Something happens. Something goes wrong. A marriage falls apart. A kid goes astray. Finances fail. You lose a job. The car quits. Any number of things. A bad neighbor moves in next door to you. You got that workmate that nobody can please. Nobody can get along with them. What is it that's that thing going on in your life today? And it is the irritant. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's that temptation. We all got one. We all got one. Something that really, really works on you. Now, we would be deniers of the Bible if we said that's not true. So, When that particular thing goes to work in our lives, this is applicable. Count it all joy. How do we do that? By realizing that God is not tempting you. The devil does that. God tries you. Now this is the next word we want to look at. The word no in verse 3. Knowing this. We've counted on it, we've we've calculated it, we calculated God, put him into the equation in verse two, but in verse three he says, Knowing this, that the working of your the trying of your faith rather worketh patience. There's some things that we know as a child of God. First of all, if you're a child of God, you know that He is able to save. You gotta know that, or you wouldn't be a believer. Do you remember? the mountain of sin that God dug you out of? Do you remember how lost you were? Do do you remember the desperation of real old-fashioned Holy Ghost conviction? Going around the country, I don't see a lot of that anymore. The last time that I saw visibly and I know you can't always maybe see it visibly, but I, I think something as deep and as profound and as powerful as Holy Ghost conviction, it evidences itself. The last I saw of that was about a year or so ago, a young boy where I'm preaching now. Uh, he's about 16 now, I think. So he would have been 14, 15 years of age. And after the service uh his mother or grandmother, somebody came came over to me and they said, I, I I believe Ethan needs to talk to you. And and so I went over to him and they had just they had just started visiting. Been there just a few services. And I said, So what's going on? And he just broke. Just broke. Sobbed and sobbed and wept. We went off into a side room and I just I just let him get it out of his system a little bit. Now, some of you say, well, I'm not a crier. If God ever gets hold of your heart just right, he'll make you a crier. <laughs> I can guarantee you that. Us men, we think it's unmanly. But uh, this young man was just so broken. And, and, and so I just said, hey, take your time. I understand. I've been there. And when you're ready to talk and able to talk, we'll talk. You know what he needed? He needed to be saved. He needed the Lord. So I know, I know what God can do. How come I don't act like it when I'm under the gun? How come I don't think like it when I hit the speed bump? Why is it that I trust God fully in the good days and wonder where he is in the bed. He's still the same God. He's in the same place. I, you know, I have never seen God with the natural eye. But I have known that God was there. Without any doubt whatsoever, I have known that the Lord was there. But when I'm in this trial, when I'm going through the temptation, when I'm in the valley, when, the, when as I said, the wheels fall off, that's when I don't act like always that God's there. God again doesn't tempt you; He tries you. Now, I, I love the cases, and I even love the name because I love the old case pocket knives. Now, the new ones not so much, but the old ones, really, man, good knives had metal in them. And the reason I bring that up is that uh, over the years, uh, I, I guess it's I guess it's a phobia, not a phobia. It's a, it's, it's a thing. I guess that when I was a boy. Times were really tough, and and, uh, I'm not going to give you a hard luck story, but I remember wanting my own pocket knife. And I know I could go to to the hardware store in Liberty, Kentucky, and they had them for a dollar, a saber, a saber, not worth a nickel. I mean, absolute junk. But in a boy's eyes, there's that saber pocket knife, and a dollar was within reach, you know, so I saved up my money, And and I finally got a dollar, and I went in there and I bought my very own saber pocket knife. Took the thing home, carried it around a little bit, laid it up on the shelf, and the stupid back spring broke with the thing laying on the shelf. That's that's what it it just wasn't any good. Now ever since then, I you know I'll see a knife, buy one. My my wife say, "How many knives you got to have?" I said, "One more," you know, (laughs) one more. But. But almost all of the knives except for one set that a a group of men in a church I pastored when I left to, to go into evangelism full time back in the 80's bought me a set and I've never sharpened this. But all the others, guess what I do with them? I use them. I put them on the rock. I sharpen them. I put an edge on them. And I use them. I may not do a lot with it. I may not skin a deer but I might. I may not cut down a weed there that's in the fence row but I might but I'm going to use it and and I test it you ever watch forged in fire some of you guys do some of you ladies maybe have seen. now I kind of get vexed when I see them take those knives that they've made last night it was on and they took one and put it down on a bolt put it on a bolt and take this big thing and boom 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 try it who does that you, you ain't going to put my knife on a bolt and get by with it. I mean, I'm, I'm not, if you ever do that once, I'm never going to hand you my knife again. Because knives are not made to cut bolts with, right? Here's the thing. Trying something, testing something, putting it to the test. That, that's what God does. Not because he needs to know. You need to know. You need to know. Now, let me let me kick a sacred cow while I'm right here. We say, the Bible says that God will never put more on you than you can bear. Could you give me a chapter and verse for that? He says he'll not tempt you above that you're able. He'll not tempt you above that which you are able, but with the temptation will make a way to escape. Let me, ask you, let me put it to you this way. Will you not agree with me that God puts a lot more on you every day than you're capable of bearing because he wants to be the load bearer. He wants to prove to you that you are under a load limit. There's so much that you can bear up under and you can't bear up under anymore. But God working in you through the living Christ who lives in you bears up more than you ever thought about bearing. We make the mistake when we think we can do it. We can bear up under it. Let me make you ladies mad just for a minute. Bear with me. I take those knives and I use them and I put them to the test and, and they mean something to me and they have a use. They have a usefulness. Now, ladies, bless your hearts. God love you. We love you. But why do you put all those pillows on the bed? I don't get that. Why why do you stack them up? Now if I come over to your house, don't go and hide them. I don't care. My wife does the same thing. Cushions against the back of the couch. You can't even sit down till you move them. You can't lay on the bed till you move them. Can't tell you how many places I've stayed in. And you go in a beautiful place, you know, everything's clean, everything's nice. You got to move a big stack of pillows. Get them all off the bed before you can get in the bed. And, and then, you know, you want to you wanna be a good guest, so you want to make the bed before you leave, you know, <laughs> you think, you got to get these pillows back on there. How'd they have them laying? Was this one up this way like a diamond, or did they have them like squares? You know, and you got you to, now, you know what, ladies, God bless you, that's useless just useless. It, it may look great. It just doesn't accomplish anything. Except put a little more work on you. That's a lot of our religion. Looks good. It's a good decoration. Just doesn't mean much. It doesn't really grab on and take hold when we're in trouble. The trying of your faith. A faith that is an untried faith is a useless faith. A knife that I have never put it on the rock. Somebody says, does it hold an edge? I say, I don't know. I never put an edge on it. How can I know if it'll hold an edge if I haven't put an edge on it and then tried it out? How do you know your faith is real unless it's a tried faith? How do you know that God is able if you've never been up against it and said, I'm not able, Lord? How do you know that God's gonna see you through when you've spent all your life trying to see yourself through? I can do it. I'm tough. I'm gonna hang on. To what? To who? Put God into the equation. And as a child of God, knowing what God has already done in your life, the most magnificent thing that has ever been done for you is that He paid your sin debt. All of it, lock, stock, and barrel, past, present, future tense, all of it was taken care of on the cross. He didn't make a down payment on sin. He didn't put down a little bit on it and said, now Kaufman, you get busy and take care of the rest of it. I would still be hopelessly lost. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. I know that much. If you're a child of God today, you know that much. You don't have to be a graduate of a university or a seminary. You just know that Christ has done for you what nobody else could. That He moved in in the form of His Holy Spirit when you turned in repentance by faith and looked to Christ. And all of a sudden, you became a new creature. Old things were passed away. Behold, all things became new. Now, knowing this... Knowing this, I look at this portion of scripture and it gives me an understanding mind to say, God has allowed this temptation to come my way. God has allowed this trial to come into my life. I read a wonderful statement. Some of you, I'm sure, have heard this. But, but it, it was profound to me. It was so simple. Someone said that during a test, the teacher is always silent. You think about that. During a test, the teacher is always silent. You go into the classroom, go into the testing room, and guess what? They're saying, shh, shh, shh. Teachers are not up there giving a lecture. They're not working problems on the chalkboard. They're letting you take the test. Now, what's the purpose of the test? To see if you know The subject material, right? What's going to happen if you flunk the test? You're probably going to have to take it again, right? Have you passed the test that God's been putting you through? And when you're in the testing place, don't think it strange that God's not saying much. He's the teacher. He's not the one that's being tested. You are. We get the shoe on the wrong foot. We want to test God. We say, what are you doing, Lord? He's God all by himself. Remember Job again? Remember at the end of the book, towards the end of the book, when God, even Job, after he's had all, and God bless him. How can you blame him? After his friends have heaped all this stuff on him, he's cursed the day that he was born. He's lost everything. And he finally begins to say, Lord, I don't get it. What's going on? I haven't done anything. And he begins to pour his heart out. And and, and finally, when God speaks, he says, where were you when I created the earth out of nothing? He said, are you there when the deer has her little fawn out in the wilderness? Are you there to be a nursemaid to it? you ever think about that? You know I, I was just the other day for some reason I, I saw something on the interstate some deer or something there at the house and we had turkey out in the yard the other day and I, I, it just struck me. I thought Lord that's such a wonderful thing that in the winter months I, I've got three or four old cows and try to take care of them and give them hay and give them grain in the winter. How do those deer make it Preacher. The snow's knee deep. The wind's blowing. And that deer's out there. Now you say, well, all of them don't make it. A lot of them do. God's hand is at work even when we don't understand it. He asked Job, where were you when I was creating the earth? And I'm asking you today, do you think you're smarter than God? I'm asking myself that because obviously we would, uh, we would say without doubt, no, well, of course not. He's God. But why do we act like we know more than God? Why do we act like we're more loving than God? Now, Lord, I've got to get this person over here in the right place at the right time. And, and, and Lord, my child, I love them. So I don't want Do you think you love your child more than God does? Knowing this will give you an understanding mind. Knowing that God has done for you the most wonderful thing that could ever be done in saving you. Knowing that he has forgiven you of your sin and he loves you too much to put you into a position that will not be for your ultimate good and his ultimate glory. So when God is testing, he's giving you the test, the trial of your faith is more precious cold the Bible says and so when it here's the thing I fail too many tests when it it comes to that kind of thing you know what you got to do when you fail the test take it again take it again go back restudy the course get the book out or the books go over the material try to get it in but too many of us are cramming for a test trying to get it just enough to pass so we can move on to the next level. God doesn't, he doesn't want to test you that way. He wants you to get it. He wants you to get it that you count him into the equation of life as a child of God. Don't ever discount God. Anything that comes into your life, God has either sent it or he's allowed it. And we know some things about God, so that should give us reason to trust him even in the crucible, even when we're being tested and our medals being tried to see what we're made of, to see what we can stand up under with the help of God. And I don't think that God uses any of us greatly as an old fellow, one of the old Puritans said, God doesn't use anybody greatly until he bruises them deeply. Now we don't like the thought of that but but I, I'm sure I've given you this and I'm done before but, but it means something to me and it makes sense to me when my son was just a little boy uh, probably six eight months old I took him to the doctor and my wife had him and he was one of those little chubby guys he's not anymore but he was and man, he, had, he had rolls on his legs you know and the little cheeks that all the old women want to come up and pinch his cheeks you know and he hated that I mean they did that for a long time. But that day we went to the doctor's office and the nurse came in and I was just, you know, I was just happy and dumb, didn't realize what was going on. I, you know, I was in another world somewhere and ready to get out of the doctor's office. And the nurse came in and and, and all of a sudden my wife turned to me and she handed Josh to me. Well, I took him like a dummy, you know. And here come the nurse with a big needle. Rub that leg, you know, and and I remember, he looked at me and screamed bloody murder. You know, his eyes got big. Now, like, like how could you let that happen to me? This this woman hurt me. Who, who's gonna let another person stick this metal object into their child? I did. And while he was crying, guess what I was doing? Explaining to him, as a maybe a eight month six eight month old kid, what the word "vax" can you say vaccination with me? He couldn't even much more than say "mama." You know. You think I'm going to try to explain to him why I allowed that hurt in his life? You know what I did to him. Loved on him. Loved on him. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. He didn't understand it's going to be okay. It'll be okay. And guess what? It got okay later. He was sore for a day or two. But do you see that me allowing that little hurt, we were doing that to ward off maybe a much greater hurt down the road. Does that make sense to you? Could it be that God's just wise enough to put you to the test now? And it may hurt a little. To avoid a much greater hurt down the road? Could it be you need to pass this test? Could it be you just need to get the material in you don't just read it absorb it. We spend a lot of time in this country saying we've got the Word of God we've got the, we do but does the Word of God have us? and then that's where we're in we're in trouble so absorb it, Ask the Lord this week to speak to our hearts, our hearts, mine and yours. And let's learn how to count it all joy when we fall into diverse temptations. Not artificially, but really. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you will instruct us, manifest Lord yourself to us and through us We pray, Father, that your word will speak powerfully in our hearts. And, Lord, we ask that you'll work in ways that we cannot even see nor understand. Work deeply, Lord, in some heart this morning that's struggling, that's grown hard, that's grown cold, that's grown bitter, that's almost given up, that's almost quit, they've almost thrown in the towel, they've almost said it's too much. We pray, Father, that you would just love on that person in a special way today that they might realize how much you do love them and that you're putting them through the test not to prove who you are, Lord, but to prove who they are in Christ. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen.